Okay, um, I want to talk today about, um, you know, it is Father's Day, and God is our Father. And I want to talk a little bit about how any father loves to pass on his heart to us, okay? That our Heavenly Father's greatest desire is to pass on the attributes of who he is, that we would understand his heart, and we would, we would have his heart. We, we, we would actually begin to love the thing that he loves and hate the things that he hates. Their heart would be broken by the things that break his heart and rejoice in the things that he rejoices in. And, and this is true for earthly fathers as well, isn't it? You know, we have these traditions at Christmas, we go on these vacations, and we have this repetitive reality, you know, with a desire to pass on these traditions to our children. And just a trivial way, you know, maybe some of you can remember watching a certain sports team with your dad and, uh, or with your family, and you would cheer them on. And today, you now cheer on that same sports team, right? Or you might have a tradition at a holiday. You know, we do polar bear plunge every, every Christmas, regardless how warm it is. It was like 90 degrees last Christmas. So it wasn't really like a polar bear plunge, you know? Um, it was more, well, I'm not going to go... Th- but it was just, you know, and so my desire is that we pass these things on, but also that we would we'd pass on our hearts and our desires and our, our dreams for our children. And so today I want to talk about that, that, that God has a heart that uh, desires, um, that desires more than anything that we uh, would, would receive his heart and begin to live and to love the things that he loves. Now, having said that, I know that Father's Day, as much as it's a day to be celebrated, is a very, very painful day for many people, people who have lost their fathers. The greatest wound that we heal at River City Church is the father's wound, some of which has come from fathers or authorities uh, in their life. And so we know that there's a brokenness in many of us when we associate, you know, or we think about the father's love. But I also want to recognize that there are single moms in here as well that are functioning in that role. And that we treasure, and I mean, I, meet, I mean, I met with a single mom last week, and I was like, what the, I mean, how do you do, I mean, I was shocked at all that she did to be both figures. I mean, it was amazing. And, uh, and so this talk is as well for them. And I'll also say this, if you're single, there are people in your life that you're probably fathering. There are people in your life that you are pouring out your life into, you're speaking into, and, uh, or you're an authority in someone's life, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a coach, um, Again, men and women. And so, again, like, this talk is for you, too. And I want to be sensitive to those that, uh, have, you know, again, have broken hearts as a result and, uh, of, of fathers in their life and authorities in their life. And my hope is that this would redeem some of that and that this would heal some of that in your heart. Um, I'll tell you this. One of the things that we know that the father doesn't use is guilt and shame. He doesn't pass that down. He doesn't. And so when we have talks like this where I'm getting ready to tell you, hey, this is the Father's heart, we need, to, we need to receive this. We need to start living this out. We need to start asking him to pour it into us. I mean, I was doing this. I was like, I stink as a father. You know, I don't do any of these things. Oh, I'm a horrible Christian. You know, this is the Father's heart, and this isn't even associated with my walk with him. I am so far off base, and I feel guilt, and I feel shame, and it shuts me down. I feel flooded, and it stops me. Well, that's the enemy, okay? Because we know the Father doesn't do that. He's too good. That when he sees you, he's like, oh, man, I love to father you. I love you. I'm excited about you. You are amazing. And when you mess up, you're my mess. And I'm so excited about you being my mess. 
I'm so excited that you belong to me. I'm so excited. I love you so much. That is how the Father feels about you. And when you honor him and worship him and come before him, especially on a day like this, he loves it. He loves it. It's amazing how the Father sees us. And it's also amazing what the Father has trusted us with. As we talk about building the kingdom of God, he has trusted us with with, with the very thing that is most important to him, and that is building his kingdom. And he redeems us, he restores us, because he desires for us to be his kingdom builders. And as we take on his heart, we naturally begin to do that. I mean, and again, I hear that the creator of the universe has decided that I'm plan A. That's terrifying. It's just terrifying. But we know that it's not us, right? Or, or you need to know this. It's not you who brings transformation and builds God's kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit in you as he leads you, as he empowers you. Our responsibility is to be available. You know, David did a great talk I always refer to, you know, yielding to the Spirit's work in our life. And we just follow him. Here's an example of that. You know, tonight... Maybe one of the best epic basketball games of all time. Okay, it's game seven. I'll tell you this. It's never in the history of basketball. A team has never been down 3-1 and come back. Now, I'll tell you this. I am not for Cleveland Cavaliers, okay? I'm not for them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because I'm a Michael Jordan fan, right? I'm a Michael Jordan fan. And if LeBron wins, he gets like, he's up there. It's like Tiger and Jack Nicholas. I grew up with Jack Nicholas. I wanted Tiger to not reach that plateau. I didn't pray against him or work or some or anything. And I wasn't glad when everything happened to him. But I'm a Michael Jordan fan. If LeBron wins tonight, it's like, right? It, it brings him up to that level. So I want him to get crushed, dominated tonight, okay? Okay. But I want it to be a good game. I'm going to be driving, so I'm not even going to be able to watch it. Okay. So this is what it's like. Whenever we build a kingdom of God with God, it's like, there's a, it's like a basketball game, okay? And God is out there playing with Jesus, okay? And, they, and, it's, and, and he knows he's going to win because he, he's playing against the devil. He's playing against demons. He's playing against the forces of darkness. And it appears to be a close game, okay? It appears to be that every basket is like, it's close. It's close, right? And in the middle of this close game, the father sends Jesus to the bench, and he's like, come on in, Antley. I want you. Jesus is going to take himself. He's coming off the court so you can play, okay? Now, I don't want to draw this parallel, this parallel too extreme. Okay, so that happens, right? And so I'm out playing basketball. You're out playing basketball in this intergalactic Game seven basketball championship, right, where the whole universe sits in balance, and you're out on the court. God has called you on in the court to play with him, okay? And so what happens is every time you get the ball, you're like, whoa, and you just pass it off to God, right? And he's just like throwing it up there, and you're running back down the court because he makes every shot, right? And so you're passing it to him, he's making a shot. You're passing it to him, he's making a shot. And it's amazing because we're just, we're going, we're going, we're going. And then all of a sudden, you pass it to him, and he passes it back to you. And you can tell he wants you to shoot. He can, he, you can tell it's your time to do the work, Okay, and you are terrified, and so you just heave the ball towards the basket and throw this brick. Okay, now if you don't know what a brick is, it's like somebody who throws a basketball, like a baseball, towards the rim. Okay, or a football. There's no finesse. It's like a line drive at 
the basket or at the hoop, and it doesn't hit the hoop. It like crushes the backboard, maybe the top corner, barely making it, not going over. And so you just get the ball and you throw this brick, right? And it crushes against the backboard, shoots up in the air, and you're like terrified and embarrassed because of this shot. And then here comes God down the lane. He comes down the lane, jumps up, gets the ball, crush dominate slam right there. Right? And he looks at you and he's like, nice pass. <laughs> nice pass, Antley. That was amazing. That's what it's like doing outreach with God. That's what it's like building the kingdom of God with God. You know, we're throwing bricks up, and he is dunking them, and he is moving in power, and the Holy Spirit is leading us. We're terrified sometimes to shoot the ball, and he comes along, and he helps us. And then when we do shoot, it's horrific. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing, and then God makes up the difference, doesn't he? He makes up the difference. And so we can be guaranteed about three things, and I want to get into the third pretty quickly because we don't have a lot of time. But uh, the first thing is, um, in this game that we're playing of outreach, is uh, that we're going to win. That we've already won. There's no chance that the enemy is going to beat us. And so we have the freedom to just go for it. We have the freedom to fail. We have the freedom to risk. And regardless of what we do, we know that we're going to win. We're going to win. And it says this in Matthew 16 18. This is why we know. Jesus says to Peter, one of the most jacked up disciples in the world, right? Denied him three times, ran from him, cut off someone's ear that Jesus had to heal. I mean, as messed up as you think you are and the bricks that you throw, Peter was like the champion. I mean, he not only threw bricks, he threw air balls all the time, right? Just totally missed it. And Jesus had to correct him. But Jesus says this to him, I tell you, Peter, on and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are on the offensive We are like full court press, shutting them down, taking back what the enemy has stolen with the promise that we will not fail, that we will win this game, this fight. The second thing is that we're going to throw up some bricks, we're going to mess up, we're going to get it wrong, um, and we're not going to shoot when God wants us to. We're going to be afraid, but he is there to make up the difference. In 2 Corinthians, and, and really not only make up the difference, it's like in those times, he is made more beautiful. He is glorified and worshiped in a way that if we make all the shots, he isn't. And it says this in 2 Corinthians. Three times I pleaded, this is Paul, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore... This is Paul. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a promise. I mean, so when I'm strong, I'm strong. And when I'm weak, I'm strong. No lose situation that God is calling us into with the promise Regardless of your behavior, regardless of your actions, it's okay because I'll make up the difference. We have no reason to be afraid to get off the bench and to join the game that God's calling us to. Okay, the third, this is the third point, the main point that I want to make is that um, you have to play if you're going to be a part of the game. And if you choose to play this game, it will cost you. 
You know, anything that is worth getting, any game that is worth playing will cost you. It costs you energy. It costs you time. It costs you practice. And, and this game is no different. And so we, this is a great example of where the natural, you know, the natural reflects the spiritual. And there's a principle here that you can apply to both. And I want to show you, because it's Father's Day, a father that we see this example in, and it's Abraham, okay, in the story of Abraham. But, but the first thing we see when God begins to model his heart and the sacrifice that we're called to make when we play, when we join with him in outreach, we see in Genesis. And it says this. This is Genesis 3. And this is after they ate the fruit. This is after they messed up and they had... Um, Turned their back on God. The, the relationship with God was broken, never to be healed uh, until Jesus Christ came, until one day we'll be with him. But it says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, from the presence of the Lord, among the trees of the garden. And, and this is a great verse. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? So what is God's response to their, to their failure, to their sin, to their brokenness? It's to move towards them. It's to call out to them. It's to, it's to move towards and rescue. And the rest of Scripture is about that, about God pursuing man to transform his broken image that we broke. That is the story of the whole Bible. So I ask you what the Bible's about. You can say that, God's love for us and the pursuit that he is on to redeem and restore us, the broken relationship that we cause between him. But in this verse, we see God coming after us very early in the first book of the Bible, third verse. And then we see God beginning to redeem a family through Abraham, okay? First Abram, and he says this through a father. He says this to Abram, okay? And he says in Genesis 12, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, and your kindred and your father's house, sacrifice, leaving where he's comfortable, uh, to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so we begin to see this thing. Not only does God pursue us to redeem us and restore us, right? Right? He pursues us to bless us. Why? So that we will become a blessing to others. Do you see that? So God's heart, the very heart of God, is to not only move towards us, not only restore us, but so that we will bless the earth. And he says that you will bless all the families of the earth, okay? And so he tells him this, and a, a long time passes. And I'm not going to tell you how long, because if I did, you would just get discouraged, okay? Because we're so impatient, and we want everything now. But a, a, good, a, good, a good bit of time passed, okay? And um, he was discouraged, and, and back in Genesis, two chapters later, we see this. After these things, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Again, I'm your shield. I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you. But Abram said, oh, Lord God. This is a great verse. Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. It's like, God, do you not see Eliezer? Come on, right? 
There's something up with Eliezer. I don't know what it is because I didn't have time to research it. But there's something going on here. I just, when I was reading that verse, I was like, poor guy. What was, he must, what? What's going on here, right? And then this is what happens. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring. You made this promise to me. You have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said this, this man This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, and this is a great famous verse, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So again, God speaks to him. He says, I'm going to reward you. Come outside and let me show you. Again, let me remind you of my promise to you. That someone on, in your line will continue this on and, the, and, and, and your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. And you know, he's, for, he's pointing to us. He's pointing to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ coming, Messiah coming, and then through his line, us becoming a part of his family. Okay, and so again, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to show you this is what you're going to become. You're going to bless the world. You're going to bless all the families of the world. You're going to be like, this is how many stars in the sky. This is, this is how amazing your lineage is. Okay, and so a little more time passes, right? And he has a son, and his name's Isaac, right? And he has a son, and it's from his line. Everything's going great. It's amazing, And then what does the Lord do? Some of us have heard this story. He says, go kill your son. Go sacrifice your son. Now imagine, imagine him, you know, Abraham being like, what? I finally have an heir. He's my son. And now you're telling me to go sacrifice him. And this is what the Lord says. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. He said, By myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. Okay? So again, the story continued. He brings his son up there. He builds an altar. Actually, his son builds the altar. His son gets the wood. His son does the work of the sacrifice that he's going to become. Sound familiar? He's talking. He's showing us what Jesus will do for us to bring us into his family. And so he brings him up there. He draws his knife. He's getting ready to kill him. And the angel of the Lord says, stop, Abraham, right? He tells him to stop. And then he says these things. Because you have done this, because you have obeyed me, I will surely bless you. I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and the gates of hell will not overcome us. This is pointing, all of this is pointing to us. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Again, God confirming, God showing us why does he bless us? So that he can bless the world through us. So that we can build the kingdom of God. So that we, as we obey, as we obey, like Abraham obeyed, He will bless us, he will reward us, he will be our shield so that we can bless others. Bring people into his kingdom and become a star, become a grain of sand, become 
a part of his family. This is the Father's heart. This is what we are created for. And he models this. This is exactly what our Father has done for us. He sacrificed Jesus so that we could be heirs and promises of Abraham, that we could be a star in his sky, a sand on his, piece of sand on his beach. This is his heart. This is what he wants to pass on to us as his son or daughters. You know, as fathers, as parents, as authorities who have responsibility over our children or over people that God has entrusted us to, many of us think that our primary responsibility is to protect them. And that's an important responsibility. But that's not our primary responsibility. Not if the scripture is true. If this scripture is true, and the Father is modeling for us his heart, then our primary responsibility is to raise our children to be sacrificed. Our primary responsibility is to raise our children to be an offering to the Lord. Our primary responsibility is to raise our children in a way that they would first lay down and sacrifice their lives to Jesus so that he can bless them, so that he can give them life, and he can bring them freedom. But the purpose of that is so that they would sacrifice and lay down their life for the lost, for the rest of the world, That was pretty intense, isn't it? That God has given us our children, that we would raise them to die for the life of others. Let's stand.